Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, March 14th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as on Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. Since December 2018, we have featured over 100 poets from eight countries on five continents, and we hope to continue to highlight poets from diverse backgrounds with your support. And you can do that by visiting poetsandmuses.com forward slash donate and donate via PayPal or your preferred credit card. We have also begun a collaboration with District 4 Poetry to bring you the PAM Poetry Project, where we will be hosting regular poetry writing workshops as well as open mics. You can find out more information about that at poetsandmuses.com forward slash events. With us today is J.L. Motri, with whom I will be discussing his poem, Bestiary, and my poem, Still Life. Before we turn to that, however, I am going to go over some virtual poetry events taking place during the week of March 15th. On Monday, March 15th, from 8.15 p.m. Amsterdam time, Labyrinth will be hosting its weekly open mic, you can find out more information at labyrinthamsterdam.nl forward slash pound sign events. Again, that's labyrinthamsterdam.nl forward slash pound sign events. From 8 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground We Play Clean open mic via Instagram Live at poets underscore playground underscore. On Tuesday, March 16th, from 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Urban Word NYC will be hosting its first draft open mic for those between the ages of 13 and 23. It's a virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Cave Condom Poets will be hosting their new works, Southern Debuts, featuring Diamond Ford, Rodney Tarek Leonard, and Stephen Leva. You can find out more information and register at cavecondompoets.org forward slash event. Again, that's kavekanampoets.org forward slash events. From 8 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, Alexa Lash and Kiana Major will be hosting their creatively undistanced open mic. You can find out more information at Major Muse on Instagram. Again, that's at Major Muse on Instagram. Muse is spelled M U. Z-E. From 9 p.m. Central Daylight Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his Poets Playground We Play Dirty open mic via Instagram Live 
at poets underscore playground underscore. Again, that's poets underscore playground underscore. On Wednesday, March 17th, from 6 p.m. Amsterdam time, Word Up Amsterdam will be hosting their Inspiration Factory writing workshop by Janice. You can find out more information at wordupamsterdam.weebly.com forward slash workshops.html. Again, that's wordupamsterdam.weebly.com forward slash workshops.html. From 8.30 p.m. Beirut time, Sidewalk Beirut will be hosting its weekly online open mic. You can find out more information at sidewalk underscore Beirut on Instagram or Sidewalk Beirut on Facebook. Again, that's at sidewalk underscore Beirut on Instagram or Sidewalk Beirut on Facebook. From 6.30 Eastern Daylight Time, the University of Arizona will be hosting their Camino del Sol Presents Yorio Yan Noel, joined by editor Rigoberto Gonzalez. You can find out more information at uapress.arizona.edu forward slash event. Again, that's uapress.arizona.edu forward slash event. From 5 to 6.30 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, the Asian American Justice and Innovation Lab will be hosting the third of their eighth session of A Poetic Envisioning of Our Collective Future with Carol Scott. You can find out more information at facebook.com forward slash aajil.org. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash aajil.org. From 6 to 8 p.m., Pacific Daylight Time, the Los Angeles Poets Society will be hosting their Voices of Color Real Talk for BIPOC, hosted by Chris Wilson. You can find out more information at losangelespoetsociety.org. Again, that's at losangelespoetsociety.org. From 7.30 to 9.30 Pacific Daylight Time, Poets Corner will be hosting their reading featuring Medri Purdom and Stuart Ross. You can find out more information at poetscorner.ca. Again, that's at poetscorner.ca. From 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Beyond Baroque Library Arts will be hosting their poetry workshop with Beth Russio. You can find out more information at beyondbaroque.org forward slash free underscore workshops dot html. Again, that's beyondbaroque.org forward slash free underscore workshops dot html. On Thursday, March 18th from 9 p.m. Paris time, Paris Lit Up will be hosting their weekly open mic. You can find out more information at parislitup.com open hyphen mic. Again, that's parislitup.com forward slash open hyphen mic. From 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Museum of the African Diaspora will be hosting their open mic night, this time featuring Joshua Merchant. You can find out more information at moadsf.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's moadsf.org 
forward slash calendar. From 7 to 9 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time, Poetry Center San Jose and the Willow Glen Library will be hosting their third Thursday's open mic featuring Ellen Bass and Barbara Rass. You can find out more information at sjpl.bibliocommons.com forward slash events. Again, that's sjpl.bibliocommons.com forward slash events. From 7.30 to 9 p.m. Arizona time, District 4 Poetry will be hosting their monthly poetry open mic. And you can find out more information at facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash district for poetry. Four is the number four. On Friday, March 19th, from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. British time, Poetry LGBT will be hosting their Speak Your Truth writing workshop. You can find out more information by messaging Andrina Leanne on Instagram at survivor.andrina.leanne. Again, that's at survivor.andrina.leanne. Andrina is spelled A-N-D-R-E-E-N-A. Leanne is spelled L-E-E-A-N-N-E. From 1 to 2 p.m. British time, the Leeds Library will be hosting their Now But Verse with Hannah Stone, this time featuring our past poet guest, Jeff Cottrell. You can find out more information at theleedslibrary.org.uk forward slash events. Again, that's at theleedslibrary.org.uk forward slash events. From 7 p.m. West Africa time, Graciano and Warren will be hosting his Corona Versus open mic via Instagram Live at Graciano and Warren. That's G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. Again, that's G-R-A-C-I-A-N-O-E-N-W-E-R-E-M. From 7.20 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Hudson Valley Writers Center will be hosting their monthly open mic hosted by Bill Bushel. You can find out more information at writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. Again, that's writerscenter.org forward slash calendar. From 6 to 7 p.m. Arizona time, the Piper Center for Creative Writing will be hosting an evening with Michael Wiegers, editor-in-chief of Copper Canyon Press. You can find out more information at piper.asu.edu or slash events. Again, that's piper.asu.edu or slash events. On Saturday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, the Pam Poetry Project, a collaboration between Poets and Muses and District 4 Poetry, will be hosting its inaugural poetry writing workshop with me, Imogen A-Rate. You can find out more information by going to poetsandmuses.com forward slash events. Again, that's poetsandmuses.com forward slash events. From 3 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, City of Asylum will be hosting its Between Poetry and Performance, Writing to Find Inspiration with Paloma Sierra. 
You can find out more information at cityofasylum.org. Again, that's at cityofasylum.org. From 9 to 11 p.m. Morocco time, Moroccan poets will be hosting their weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Moroccan Poets. Again, that's at Moroccan Poets. From 4 to 6 p.m. Arizona time, the ASU Library Labriola Center and Abalone Mountain Press will be hosting the Labriola Community Celebration featuring our past poet guests, Amber McCrary and Alex Soto. You can find out more information at piper.asu.edu forward slash NEA hyphen big hyphen read. Again, that's piper.asu.edu forward slash NEA hyphen big hyphen read. From 6 to 8.30 p.m. Arizona time, Equality Arizona and the Virginia G. Piper Center for Creative Writing will be hosting their monthly Queer Poetry Salon, this time featuring Golden, Ariana Reynes, and Eduardo Corral. You can find out more information at equalityarizona.org. Again, that's at equalityarizona.org. On Sunday, March 21st, from 7 p.m. Central European Time, Express Arte Escenario Abierto will be hosting their Poesia Desde las Sombras de la Ira y de la Sanación Poetry Jam, which features, among other poets, our past poet guest, Mason Nasser. You can find out more information at expressarte underscore escenario abierto. That's spelled E-X-P-R-E-S-A-R-T-E underscore E-S-C-E-N-A-R-I-O-A-B-I-E-R-T-O or on poetsandmuses.com forward slash events. Again, you can find out more information either at Expressarte Escenario Abierto or at poetsandmuses.com forward slash events. From 5 p.m. Arizona time, Desert Diwata and Luya Poetry will be hosting the first of its two Are You There, Moon? It's Me writing workshop. You can find out more information and register at Luya Poetry on Instagram. Again, that's at Luya Poetry on Instagram. And now let us welcome our Poet Guest of the Week, J.L. Motri. Hi, J.L. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hi, I'm Jen. I really appreciate being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. So you brought with you your poem, Bichieri. Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. A poet from Detroit. Mm-hmm. I currently live in Detroit, too. Mm-hmm. I've been writing seriously for maybe eight years. Oh, okay. But I started writing poetry as a sort of makeshift therapy mm. just to get through experiences and you know the human luck that we go through yeah. so yeah i also write fiction too mm. so it's like uh, i would describe my poetry as uh, experiential abstract expressions mm-hmm. it invites re-reading and reassessment mm-hmm. and 
open interpretation. I sort of depend on the reader to bring their own baggage to a poem. Right. Once it's out there, it has a life of its own, right? You said you started poetry about eight years ago, and, and it sort of a, has a serving a therapeutic tool. Do you want to let us know what led you to choose to write poetry as opposed to another uh, literary art? I think poetry was sort of free-flowing, mm -hmm. and it seemed approachable. Mm -hmm. In my younger days, I listened to a, a lot of hip hop mm -hmm. and lyricism like Nas and Lupe Fiasco, different stuff mm -hmm. as a teenager. And I just like the free association mm -hmm. and uh, the freedom that it invites for the writer. It's really therapeutic for me. Mm -hmm. Do you remember your first poem and what it was about? I think uh, it was about a girl when I was 16, but it was really embarrassing <laughs> it was just about her like holding my heart and she can smash it it was really cliche <laughs> and uh, i think every poet goes through that period where we're trying to find our voice and everything yeah yeah don't worry i still write those <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's why i love poetry it's sort of we can transfigure different experiences and try to get through them and stuff. Mm. But uh, I love the expression of it. Yeah, yeah. You really have a facility with words that it's really beautiful to behold. Oh, thank you so much. No problem. Did you first start writing, I guess, fiction or another literary uh, genre? Or did you enter uh, poetry first? I remember writing poetry first mm. after I came across the collected works of Pablo Neruda at a library. Wow. And he was the first poet. I was like, wow, what is he doing with these words and language? And right. He just had a sort of mastery over it. I was about maybe 18 or 19. Mm. Then when I was around 20, I started just writing every day different things I didn't share with anybody, mm -hmm. so maybe my mom. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and uh, I had no idea of being published one day. I never even, it wasn't even a possibility. Right. It was just a, some a personal thing. And eventually, I was writing for maybe eight years before mm -hmm. I actually saw publication. Mm. It was in um, maybe November 2018 when I sent some stuff out because I was so nervous. Mm. But uh, I think it was it was good that I took that time because it helped me hone my craft. Mm -hmm. I went to college and met some good mentors who encouraged me. Right, right. That's great. Yeah, it's always good to have people who can you know, like encourage you along the way. I don't know if you read Spanish. Did you read Neruda in, in Spanish or, or English? I read them in English, but I later took Spanish in college, but mm. I forgot most of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's always interesting to be, to be able to read an author in their original language. 
because sometimes no matter how good the translation something is always lost and it's like two different poems sometimes i read that you actually got published in two different languages is that correct uh, yeah yeah i have i like trying to write in different languages i don't have enough works in other languages to really tell if I write very differently. I do know that because I'm not really fluent anymore in any language. <laughs> My poetry in, in other languages tend to be shorter. Okay. Yeah. I wrote a poem in Spanish. It was really short. Mm. I showed it to my teacher and she seemed to like it or pretended to like it. <laughs> <laughs> what? But, <laughs> I mean, I think with teachers, they're in a special position that they can critique it, right? I mean, I think if it's a friend, maybe, I, I, I guess it depends on the teacher as well. Yeah. Well, I think now would be a great time if you would read your poem, uh, Bichieri, for us. Okay. Thank you. Bestiary, it is hard to see past the shame. Years timorous and maimed float above the flood. The levees turn maroon from autumn leaves. Dirt under my nails is a common sight, perpetually adjacent to a field of flowers. There is a winter with no sunlight. Signals pass between my shoulder blades, subsumed by feral emotions. My body is a stoic rune, filled with manic squalor. The sanguine sky is all that remains of remembrance. I am but a bundle of feathers, a dissonant glimpse refusing to take shape. Thank you. It is a really, really beautiful poem with a lot of imagery that takes the reader to many different places. There is a sense of sort of dissonance. Like, if not to the multiple parts of yourself that may be a little bit fragmented. Yeah, that's really insightful that you say that. And thank you for the encouraging compliment because it was inspired by my revisiting these apartment complexes mm. um, where I grew up mm -hmm. years later, okay. like five years later. I just happened to be walking by him one night mm. and I decided to walk through him mm. and they were dilapidated at the time when I came back mm -hmm. and that was an important place for me because it was the first time I, it was a lot of first for me, I had my first girlfriend there, I was in middle school and mm. then I had my first bout of depression in middle school and mm. I didn't know what was wrong with me. Up to that point in middle school, I was an unenrolled student. Mm -hmm. But when I got to middle school, I started getting D's and F's. Mm. So when I came back, it was just like a, this weird juxtaposition of who I was and who I used to be. Okay. And your comment was right on. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, it's not often that you get to talk with the poet and find out whether or not your interpretation actually 
gels with what they're writing about. Um, yeah, that would be cool to go back and speak with. Oh, that would be awesome. Go back and talk with different poets, Walt Whitman, or. <laughs> yeah, and Neruda would be nice, right? Oh yeah, Hart Crane is one of my another one of my favorites. Okay. And Rainer Maria Rilke, he's mm. really great too. Mm. Yeah. This was written. What was it? Five years ago, was it or no? Um, the experience happened maybe ten years ago, but it was written. A month ago, two weeks ago. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a it's been a long time. Okay. I don't know why it's stuck. It's stuck, stuck in my mind that experience was so much. Going back, then being ten years ahead and looking back again, so it's like I was different from people at each point, like you said. Right. Yeah, it's it's wild because you know this is like being struck by an experience all of a sudden that happened a decade ago. Do you happen to remember yeah. what uh, triggered it? I can't remember exactly what triggered it, but it always like played in the back of my mind. Mm. Yeah, it, it took a while just to sift through it and excavate it. Mm-hmm. Um, just deal with the turmoil. Right. And I think that poem was a lot of closure that time because I, I grew up both of my parents they struggle with addiction mm. as a kid I remember just moving around a lot mm-hmm. and sleeping on, on different people's floors mm. so well, that is an awesome part of it too during that time right, right. wow yeah yeah I, I lost a lot more phone isn't it <laughs> It is, it is, because you, you never know, right, until you talk with the author of a piece of work, you never know where the inspiration comes from and what brought it about. Yeah, I was writing a series of poems and this sort of crystallized when I started thinking about those experiences. Mm. Uh, then the poem came about. Right. So I think I wrote it. In maybe a few minutes or maybe an hour. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're always writing, you know, internally. Mm-hmm. Writers, we're, we have drafts and different manuscripts inside of us, then they just come and manifest in the physical, too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, I think you have a prettier inside than I do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's so many imageries. You started off with saying it's hard to see past the shame. I wonder if you wouldn't mind explaining or tell us a little bit about what that shame is. Um, yeah, it's just, I grew up with a lot of insecurities, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to go back in time to where the poem kind of takes place. I was trying to be vulnerable mm-hmm. and I'm still working through it. Just seeing seeing yourself or who you are is hard. Right. And uh, I grew up, you know, with a lot of shame and anger about my situation. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm trying to work through it now. Right. 
it was a really vulnerable moment mm. to bring the reader in and be expressive at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I think you echo that idea of shame or having something that maybe is not something you would like and hardship as well. Even with the beginning of the second stanza where you talk about dirt under my nails is a common sight. Yeah, yeah. I remember we lived in like bad areas and stuff and mm. we didn't have hot water one night and I had dirt under my nails so I was dirty and everything mm. and I had to go to my aunt's house to wash her. Like, mm. And that's kind of tied to the shame. Mm-hmm. Mm. A little not having much as it, not understanding why. Yeah, yeah. I imagine going to school in a way can be incredibly tough because you see other people in other situations. Yeah, and um, you sort of compare yourself, your situation to theirs, and it kind of snowballs. Yeah, yeah. It's tough as a kid, right, because you don't know it brings a lot of questions but you don't necessarily have the life experiences to or the even the the majority to understand the why but i think maybe more life experiences like you said you sort of gain a reference point Mm -hmm. as you and time sort of forced that so I think the poem sort of looked back at how I looked back. Mm. <laughs> Time before is that's the uh, perspective to heal. Mm. And that's the greatest gift. I think poetry really saved my life because I didn't really have too many people encouraging me to think about the future except mm. my, my first mentor, Jerry. Mm. And I sort of happened upon poetry. Right. And it sort of saved me. It continues to save me to this day. Mm-hmm. When you write, is it because of... Well, this poem is something that you reflected back on 10 years later after uh, yeah. revisiting your past childhood home, but then also it goes further back, right, to your childhood. And yeah. what do you commonly do in terms of your writing, or does it run the gamut in terms of how you arrive at writing a piece? I think for sure it runs the gamut. It's different for every poem. Some of them, they just come out sort of stream of conscience, mm. and it's easy. Some of them I work on for weeks. Mm. I feel like I'm sort of a perfectionist. Mm. I think my main goal is to be sincere. Mm. So um, music inspiration hits me with like an image or a, a combination of words. Mm. I sort of set as a springboard. Going back to this poem, I noticed that even though you've told us a lot already about your childhood and some of your experiences and how this poem came about, it's interesting, I find, that in the last stanza, you begin with the sanguine sky is all that remains of remembrance. Yeah, that sort of 
sort of goes back to the day. Mm-hmm. I think it was dusk or something. Mm-hmm. You know how it's, the sky gets that color. Yeah. And uh, that's sort of where that comes from. Mm-hmm. And the uh, remembrance, you know, like history. I had learned this later in life. Like I'm only 31, but mm-hmm. it took me a while to learn history, grow, it's living inside of us. Mm. Even as we grow and learn, it's still alive. And you can see that in America right now, mm-hmm. where it's a lot of turmoil. Yeah. We still grapple with our history. Oh, God, yeah. A lot of it we still haven't dealt with. Yeah. I think I speak from the perspective of a black male in America, and Mm -hmm. I sort of get inspired by James Baldwin. Mm -hmm. When I write poetry, it's like an attempt to excavate or share humanity Mm -hmm. across the human spectrum. Right. Not just, you know, male or female. It's sort of like a, it's political in a way because it's trying to subvert the status quo mm. in a way by just dismantling language and putting it together. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think anyone reading this can get a sense of the feeling behind it, that sense of not quite sure of who we are as a person and the cobbling together of different experiences. Yes, yeah, sort of. Uh, I feel like my poems are like unstable. I feel like they're gonna fall apart in a moment, but they're just held together. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like when someone, you know, like your experience or. Um, I don't, obviously, you've given us a very small glimpse of your experiences. But just living through life, no matter what, is is a tough experience. Very seldom do we have such a charmed life that we are always, you know, calm and sure and never really feel anything but this sense of, you know, warm afternoon light on our face and blah, blah, you know. Yeah. I practiced Buddhism and mm. I found that when I was, when I started writing poetry, meditation okay. helps. Oh, wow. Just make sense of everything. Mm. And I think my poetry has a, like, a spiritual bent to mm. it. Mm. It's like, inspired by real and just really effusive mm. but it's always changing like when I started writing maybe 10 years ago really seriously and I'm like is this going to stop am I going to stop writing am I going to when, when will it stop <laughs> and my girlfriend who I share poetry with she said it's not going to stop you're an artist mm. it just continues it's like, like a infinite quest. Mm, mm. Were you worried that it would stop? I was. I was like, I want to just write a book. Mm. I just thought I would write a book and then I would. But it just keeps happening. Like, this just keeps writing. I keep writing poems. Right. So I just gave into it. Yeah, yeah. 
the muse, she's very fickle and she's, you know, she comes whenever she wants. <laughs> yeah. And your poetry definitely has a lot of natural references to it. It's, it's, you know, very grounded in nature. I try to make it like concrete yet abstract at the same time. Mm. So I think I, I really love nature. Mm. Like, I grew up in the city. Mm -hmm. I still live in the city, so I always had an affinity and a sort of pining for, like, living on a farm or going in a forest or something. Mm. I imagine now, well, not right now, but um, well, maybe even now, if I don't know if you are dealing with this um, COVID and uh, and. Yeah. Also, every the, all the social tensions that are happening, the eruptions that are happening. Uh, do you get to go to nature? I don't know how closely you live to nature. Sometimes I, it's like fields around, and it's, it's a river here, mm. Detroit River. So I live pretty close to it. Mm -hmm. So I go and drive. And also, we have an island here called Belle Isle. In the mm. middle of Detroit, right between Detroit and Canada, they have a, a like a terrarium, and I just love going there right. to visit. Mm. So that's where I get my fix. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I understand what you mean because I also live in a city, and fortunately, there's decent, you know, like urban planning, so there are a good amount of trees and flowers and so whenever i do go out and see them i feel like i'm so fortunate and i can sort of bathe in their beauty yeah i always wanted to go to california to the river forest have you been there i've seen a little bit of it and uh, not the largest ones not the ones that you see you know in in pictures, like computer background pictures. <laughs> I, I've seen some younger ones. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. It is pretty amazing to see how big they are, even the younger ones, how sturdy they look. Unfortunately, they're getting tested right now because of the California fires. But I read that apparently the redwoods, especially the older ones, they can have up to a foot thick of skin, of bark, that might withstand the fire. So I'm, I'm wishing them good luck because it'll be incredibly sad to lose them. Yes, yeah. I don't know why poets, we have an affinity with nature. Uh, it makes me feel really small as a human. It's terrible what's happening to the earth. Yeah. One of the things I really want to do is travel to see stuff. Yeah, well, hopefully, I don't I don't know if your poetry has taken you to different parts um, before the shutdown happened, part, different parts of the U.S. and also different parts of the world. I haven't traveled much. Um, yeah. I did a few readings locally mm -hmm. here in like, the suburbs and stuff. Right, right. But it, in my backyard, I have a bunch of trees. And my partner, she, 
she's a master gardener, so, so she plants flowers and all types of stuff. I don't know the name of, but they're pretty. <laughs> I think that's wonderful that you have that and you can take in that, you know, on a daily basis and less, and less help a lot in these times. I just want to go back to your poetry a little bit more and... I didn't notice, and you talked about that, because there is always a sense of this dissonance, again, between different different identities and different feelings, kind of, um, as you said before, kind of, just like your poem, right? You said it's, it's sort of held together, these different things. And there's one part that I noticed, which is, you know, and I think, again, you talk about it a lot. It's like you're looking at one side and then you're looking, turning it and you're looking at another side or something. Like after you said in the second stanza, dirt under my nails is a common sight. And then you said perpetually adjacent to a field of flowers, there is a winter with no sunlight. Even before you told me about having to deal with uh, depression, it definitely had that feeling of knowing that happiness is there, but not being able to reach there yourself. So I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that. Yeah, I think uh, I've always been sort of optimistic. I've tried to be in way, but uh, I think the field of flowers is just understanding grants us a lot of contentment. So mm. in that where it says dirt under my nails is a common sight it's sort of just jointed and it contrasts with the field of flowers and it goes back to winter right. no sunlight so i think it's sort of a roller coaster like you said this dissonance where nothing is clear mm. i try to overwhelm the reader in a way and bring them into my state at the time mm. and with the language and with, uh, with the words and the contrast, the images, try to build on. It's really, really amazing, these different contrasts. It's, you feel the roller coastering of emotions as you're going from like something that's really harsh and you know, like signal pass between my shoulder blades subsumed by feral emotions and then my body is a stoic ruin filled with manic squalor and you can feel the stress that you're under and you can and also before when you talk about dirt under my nails juxtaposed with the field of flowers and then going back immediately to the winter with no sunlight so again this roller coaster emotions and and this really vivid emotions that you can feel. It's quite painful, actually. So I don't know if, hopefully, you didn't oh, feel that. Uh, thank you so much, Elijah, for the kind words. I think one of my objectives is to get an emotional response from the reader mm. while also being sincere without using cinnamon text. Sentimentalism, mm. sentimentalism, right. using without cheapening the reader with emotions, like fake emotions. Right. Uh, you know, I 
just wanted to be really honest and sincere. I think hopefully inspire somebody or I don't want you to feel pain or I don't know. It's I think people who are sensitive readers who look at this will feel the your pain or imagine your pain, yeah. or, you know, or the character's pain if this is you know written as a persona because of the roller coastering of emotion because of the sense of not knowing quite where the character in the poem is with their sense of self. So. There is definitely a lot of emotional rawness to it. I think you achieve that sense of not over sentimentalizing because you don't talk about sentiments, but people can feel this poem. Uh, thank you so much. I think it sort of reflects where I am uh, as a poet right now because I wrote it so recently. Mm. At the end, it says, I am but a bundle of feathers, a dissonant glimpse refusing to take shape. Mm. I think that sort of reflects the thought of not letting the world define you mm. and defining yourself and not letting the circumstances get the best of you. You can refuse to take the shape that mm. the world, the box the world tries to put you in. Right. I think it's the one hopeful area of the poem. Mm. But it's sort of buried under a lot of other stuff. Mm. Uh, I think it sort of invites rereading from the reader and reassessment and revisit because it's so dense. Yeah, yeah, there is definitely a lot to unpack on various levels. There was one thing in this poem that we both have, and, and that's kind of why I chose the poem that I did which is in your third stanza where you says signals pass between my shoulder blades and it's funny because i had just written something recently that says yeah the poem i sent you called still life is something very recent as well yeah and it started with signals misfiring and i thought oh it also has some similar aspect of joining together of things that I think on first glance people might not think belong together. I'm going to read that and then we can talk about it. Okay. So it's called Still Life. Signals misfiring in their excited dance. Writhing bodies of shadows lurk in my waking glance. Conflating the love of others for the self. The neglected heart desiccates on the shelf. An altar of trinkets, stale memories relegate. Jumble murmurs, the mind fails to regulate. Oh, that's great. Thank you. I read it like over and over and over again. Oh, wow. Thank you. And that's crazy that you wrote it recently too. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I, I think we are very similar in the sense that um, we both write a lot. Uh, could I ask you a question about still life? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it gives us a glimpse into your inner world, like your humanity. It's like this dichotomy between you rhyme, yet it's, I feel like it's a lot of turmoil and inner angst. Mm. I'm wondering what experiences inspired if you want to share 
Yeah, sure. Like I said, this was written very recently, and you know, sim similar to you, I'm also being affected by everything that's happening, um, both socially and also public health-wise. This is just a year full of anxiety, right? <laughs> On many levels. As you sense, you know, like there, there was a lot of anxiety. I can't tell you exactly what the anxiety is because I just don't remember because it's just like general anxiety over life, I think. It was like also around evening time and my place was, was getting darker and I was just walking towards my sofa and whatnot and I have some blankets there and it just, it looked like a body, like the blanket was in a shape of like a body and because the light was low and I also have been having trouble getting regular sleep or enough regular regularly getting enough sleep so I felt kind of like I was just seeing things you know uh, and so that's how yeah. I started the poem there's a lot of times in life where you're like what am I doing? You know, what am I am I doing something that's ultimately helpful for you know what I'm trying to achieve or or what? So that was something a question that I sort of had in mind and I also felt like because of my work obligations and things that I sometimes get too worked up by worries about those that's likely the con biggest contributor to my not being able to get enough sleep so I just felt like I was not taking care of myself in a way that I should be and maybe I was doing too much expending too much energy outward and not enough inward yeah oh it's just uh, mysterious how poems start isn't fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I just really felt, like you said, when you felt my the dissonance and best scary, I felt the sort of the anxiety, the discontent, and the pomp, and still life, mm -hmm. and the part and the second stanza where it says conflating the love of others for the self. Mm -hmm. uh, I was wondering, what does self-love mean to you? You and what role does poetry play in the process? I think the second part is easier to answer, so I'm gonna go with that first. Okay. Uh, very similar, <laughs> very similar to you. Poetry is a therapeutic tool to me, uh, especially now, and I feel like writing poetry is a form of self-love for me because it gives me the time to really sit with what I'm going through, whatever that is at the moment that I'm writing something especially since I tend to write in reaction to how I'm feeling. So allowing myself to write something, a short or long poem, in a way is a way of loving myself. And I think that might answer your first question as well, I think. Does it? Okay. I think so, yeah. I think it's like a, you describe those feelings of reacting, and I feel like it's like a catharsis almost, 
still like just giving voice to that state of mind. I think we're all living in, you know, obviously in uh, unprecedented times. Mm-hmm. I think leaning on poetry is a great tool more than ever right now for us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely see a trend of poetry becoming more proliferated, I guess. Uh, I, I, I'm actually not in, haven't been in the po- poetry world consistently for a long time. And this is my latest entry. I started back again a few years ago. And my involvement now is very different from the way I was involved with it the last time I was uh, wrote very consistently. I felt like that was much more self-involved. So I don't really have a point of comparison. So I always ask people, like, do you feel like there is a proliferation of poetry? I think poetry always, it's always relevant Mm -hmm. to the times. Mm -hmm. I think Mary, what was the name? Percy Bliss Shelley said that Poets are the unofficial regulars of the world or something a long time ago. Mm. I think they sort of look to the artists, especially in America, Mm. where we have such a lineage of great artists like Walt Whitman, James Baldwin, Mm. Toni Morrison. This public looks to, to sort of make sense of all the chaos. Right. I think you still life. You were trying to understand a situation and make sense of it. Mm. <laughs> and it came through. Mm. Thank you. Like the mind in a bestiary, there's a lot of contrast. Mm. Like the first stanza you speak of, signals misfiring. Then and the last is stale memories and mm. writhing bodies, yet the neglected heart desiccates on the shelf. I was wondering if that was intentional, these, these contrasts, or did it just happen? Your question just reminded me of one of the questions I have for you, which I totally forgot when, when we were talking about it. So I'll answer you, then I'll ask you my question as well, which are very similar, similar okay. to yours. I tend to write very stream of consciousness. I'll just let whatever comes out come out and then go back and edit. One of the things that was strange to me with this particular poem is that it's a rhyming poem, which I don't tend to do because at some point it just feel like very forced to me. So I didn't plan on where this poem would go when I started. I just had this idea in mind when I saw my blanket in this weird shape in my very, very exhausted state. A similar question to you, was there more planning when you were writing? Did you already have some kind of map about where you're going to go, or is it also more stream of consciousness? It was stream of consciousness just going ahead and letting it come out. Every poem is different, but I just try to go with the flow. Mm. I think James Baldwin said, go the way your blood beats. Mm. So I just try to, I, don't, I really don't want to plan because 
because it comes off as artificial. Like, so most of the time, I it's like a stream of consciousness, consciousness like you mm-hmm. mentioned, and it just comes out. And then I might, might go back and edit like a word or something. Mm. But I try not to edit too much. Um, okay. Because I want to capture that emotive feeling, that that innate, that spontaneity. Right. And keep that intact. Right. Wow. Yeah. You do realize that just makes you sound even more talented. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I tried editing not too long ago, and my one of my mentors, uh, Rayfield, he said, "And you don't need to revise; just keep going." Mm-hmm. Um, most of the stuff I send out, it, it's it's been getting a good reception over the past like year and a half. But yeah. I don't edit. I try not to edit, or I edit as I go. Okay. okay. Um, just try to keep that spontaneity, like I said. Right, right. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just really, really gorgeous. Cause amazing imagery juxtaposing one after another and this feeling this sense of going up and down i mean like this this particular poem it's wonderful i'm really i'm so happy to hear that you're getting good reception because i really i love i love what i've read and so from you so far so oh i love your stuff too oh thank you it's so good to especially during this time we're artists we can support one another the artist community been so kind and encouraging. Yeah. And I really, I really believe in like found family, mm-hmm. where you select who you let in your life. Mm. And uh, it's been really a healing and great experience. Just trying to make sense of the world at the same time through poetry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because you know, especially when the times are hard, you def you definitely want we. Both definitely want this sense of belonging to be around people who we don't have to try so hard to be around. Yeah, we don't have to act, or we can just be ourselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So you do you about still life? You said you don't usually put rhymes in your poetry. Yeah, I don't. I don't usually do that. Did it just come about? You stuck with it, or did it feel right? Yeah, I was felt right. Why? When you started? Yeah, it kind of started as rhyming. I I have this habit sometimes. Usually, what I write is starting out with a line that makes me think, "Ooh, I should write that down," and then I'll write the rest of it. And so, whatever line comes, or two lines, or three lines, whatnot comes, I'll just write that down, and I'll go with the rhythm of that beginning. Sometimes I make a turn, sometimes I don't. With rhyming poems, I find that even even as a kid, even like from the beginning when I started writing poetry, I always find that I run out of steam really quick with it. I'm just like, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what goes with this. But I think now that I'm a little bit older and I have more uh, vocabulary and thank God for things like dictionary.com and thesaurus.com, <laughs> yeah, I am also now in this sort of third entry into poetry. I have more of the capacity of uh, retaining what I want to say, or even if I don't retain, I'll go in a different direction. I feel like I'm more 
mature with my poetry in the way that I write it, in the way that I deal with it as well. So that I'm not as afraid of losing a thought to stop and to go look for words in the midst of writing. Whereas the last time I was heavily writing poetry, I was so afraid of losing what I was trying to say that I didn't, you know, I just kept going rather than actually just stop and go look for a word. Or after I finished writing something, go back and look for words to change out some some other words because one of the things I, I actually really dislike doing is to use the same words over and over again so I love thesaurus.com for that reason I, I should go try to get them to sponsor me or something <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool I'll, I'll actually do, do that also like synonyms and try to not use the same word. I think we have a lot of a lot in common in our process. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, like you said, uh, just sort of trying to go with the flow and get out of the way of a poem. Mm. You know, get ourselves out of the as a mediating force. Sometimes I feel like it just comes through us, and it's hard to understand where inspiration comes from. It's just like the muses. You know? mm. I think experiences is so mysterious like I'll be driving or doing mundane things and I have to write something down and start one line usually like with you mm. uh, and a sort of snowball from there right right yeah I'm, I'm the same sometimes I'm like doing the dishes and then there's a line I'm like oh, okay I have to write this down <laughs> Yeah, and, and this uh, this poem as well. You know, I was just literally just walking to my sofa, and I saw the blankets. Or I was like, "Ooh, I have to write that down." <laughs> yeah. I was wondering, do you like silence when you write, or do you like can you write during any particular things inspire you to write? I don't really listen to music when I'm writing. Like when I write essays or something, like when I used to like go to school and need to write papers, I tend to listen to classical music because that helps me organize my thought, I found. When I write poetry, I actually prefer silence or I, I, I went to this writing conference thing virtually and some of the leaders of the courses were you know playing music you know as part of their habit when giving us a prompt wow. and I was just like oh my god this is so distracting <laughs> 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 so I actually had a hard time writing I think it's also not being habituated to writing with other things going on uh, like auditory things going on so it was even more distracting to me because it was just like something for the first time. Whereas, especially now, right, with physical distancing, silence is the norm. And so when I'm suddenly bombarded with noises, it just affects me so much more. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like when I initially read the life, I was like, oh, it's like things aren't as they appear 
Mm. Like when you saw your sheets, mm. and there were nuances and intricacies inherent in it. I think poetry is my favorite form of literature because mm. you know, it's just making you feel something. I know you understand. I can't really put it in words. Yeah, it's hard to. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're gonna have to write a poem about that. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, also, it's really cool that you do you speak foreign languages. Not as fluent as I like to be. A little, especially now, less so. I'm I'm out of practice. So, but yeah. oh, I I did mean to ask you as well the the same question to you about music. Do you prefer to have silence when you write or music? It depends on the, my mood. Mm. Sometimes、uh, I write in my office, and I might put on some classical.、Mm. I listen to everything. Like music is really inspirational to me.、Mm. I listen to, like heavy metal and、mm. uh, hip hop, and、uh, it just runs the gamut. Whatever my mood feels. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I find the same. Sometimes when I'm listening to a song, I have a bunch of、uh, poems that I derive from listening to a piece of music. It made me feel、wow. a certain way or a line. I find that a, a lot of my poems actually kind of echo certain lines from songs、yeah. uh, or certain sentiments and. So it's it's like a feedback loop a little bit. So it's really、uh, interesting. But、um, because I I live much more with silence than with music. Whenever I do listen to music, it has a very large impact on me. So I really really appreciate your time. You know, coming and talk with me about your poetry and about our processes and everything. So. Just to conclude, I would love for you to tell us about whether or not you have any favorite open mics that you've been going to that you would recommend, and in addition to that, how people can follow you on like social media or if you have a website or something like that. Okay, I have a neutral spaces page where you can view my work. It's neutralspaces.co/jlmultry. Okay. Again, for taking the time to talk with me, I really, really appreciated that. Oh man, I really appreciate you. It's been a pleasure.、Um, I learned a lot, man. Got a really a lot of encouragement, inspiration. Oh, thank you, thank you. Appreciate、yeah. it. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com as well as on Instagram and Twitter under poetsandmuses.
You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, in addition to the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast on your preferred podcast platforms. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.